0: For today's message, our mission here at Plum Creek is to help you experience intimacy with God, intentionality with family, and influence with others. Our hope is that what you hear today will impact and challenge you to love God and the people around you in a whole new way. We'd encourage you to check us out online at PlumCreekOnline.com to see how Plum Creek is impacting our community and what opportunities we might have for you or for your family to get connected. If you'd like to support the ministry we're doing here in Castle Rock, the two easiest ways are through our website, plumcreekonline.com/give or via text, just text any dollar amount to 720-606-5563. Thanks again for joining us today. We are in the third and final week of this series uh,
1: that we have called 68. Uh, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Micah 6:8. That's where we've been. Over the last several weeks, taking a look at this powerful passage of Scripture where the nation of Israel is challenged to think differently about the way that they're living, where they are challenged to understand what they need to do to please God. And there are three main things that are embedded in this verse. Micah 6.8, it says this, He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? Over the last couple of weeks, we've been saying, what is it that God would want from each and every one of us, and this is it, to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. This is powerful, powerful. So over the last couple of weeks, we've taken a look at what does it mean for us to act justly. Last week, Greg, a good friend of mine from Ohio, came and spoke and talked about what it looks like to love mercy, and today I'm going to talk about what it means to walk humbly. Now this is this is a challenge for all of us. This is a challenge for all of us. Like the humility thing is a little tricky, little little one that we've got to deal with, and we can't do this one on our own, can we? We need help. I remember when I was first getting started in uh, in the ministry a long time ago, twenty seven years ago. I was a youth pastor in a little tiny church in Batavia, Illinois, and <clears throat> every time after I got done speaking on a Sunday morning, which wasn't that often, it was it was kind of Uh, normal for whoever spoke to stand at the one door where everybody would leave. And, you know, that's a pretty awkward place to be when you've just gotten done speaking, right? It's an awkward place to have the pastor standing because when you walk by, you feel like very obligated, right, to say something. And usually it's not like, hey, that sermon was really bad, right? So they're saying things like, oh, this is a great message. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You know, great message, which I love to hear that, right? That's all. I love to hear that. But the thing is, my wife knows that I need to make sure that I'm giving the Lord the glory for everything that happens. So she's standing right behind me and with the voice of God saying, just whispering every time someone would pass by, who are you giving the glory to? Who are you giving the glory to, right? Like I want to do a really good job speaking and challenging people and helping them to understand the message of the gospel, of course, truths of scripture. But anything that would happen is not because of me, it's because of our great God. And she was there to make sure that I reminded myself of that. Who are you giving the glory to? We know that this is a big one. Um, What does it mean to walk humbly? Why is this so important? Why does this matter to God? And how does this become a way of life? So this week, I was uh, reading in my devotional time, which I'm sure hoping you're doing too. And I got to a passage of scripture that I knew I needed to start with today. And so let me just set it up. Jesus has just left his mom and dad's house and he's just beginning on the very beginning of starting his ministry and some of you may be familiar with this story from the gospels jesus ends up by this river and he has a relative named john the baptist who's been baptizing people like crazy helping them to understand what it means to be in proper relationship with god and jesus walks onto the scene and jesus wants to be baptized and his relative says john the baptist says no 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 no, i'm not worthy to do this right i'm not worthy to do this you baptize me and jesus says nope That's not the way this goes down. I have to be baptized by you. So he goes down into the water and he gets dunked. Theologians love this particular passage of Scripture because they say that this is one of the very first times that you see the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, all in one place. Jesus comes up out of the water, so that's God the Son, right? And you hear, or you see a dove come down, and it hits him on the shoulder. And uh, so we see the presence of the Holy Spirit there. And then you hear this voice, and I'm going to take you to this passage of Scripture because I think it's powerful, in um, Matthew 3, verse 13. So Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John, but John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? As soon as Jesus was baptized, jumping down to verse 16, he went up out of the water At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. And so this week, as I was reading that, I wrote in my journal, it's an amazing thing that God the Father would say about his Son. It's amazing, because what has he done ministry-wise so far? What has he done? Zilch. At this point, he's never taught a message that we know of. He's not preached a sermon, cast out a demon, healed someone that was sick. Listen, he hasn't even made a single disciple at this point. All he's done is been baptized, and yet his father says to him, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. I wonder why he would say that. Hang with me. When we get to the end, I'm going to tell you. He hasn't done anything special yet. So then we fast forward again to where we are today in Micah 6.8, to walk humbly with our God. Humility is a really tricky thing, and it's easy to get, it's easy to get uh, tr- stuck here. If I ask you, hey, what's God been doing in your life lately? <clears throat> what's he been doing? And you say to me, uh, you say something like this, I just feel a deep, deep-rooted humility taking hold of my life. Maybe you think to yourself, did you just brag about being humble? Right? Did you just brag about that? It's kind of slippery. How do we pursue humility? Because in the pursuit of humility, it may be that that we might be wanting to be seen as humble so that we might be somehow exalted in our humility, right? Well, there's a flip side to that coin as well. What do you do with this? You know, those little arrogant, pompous blowhards in our lives, that don't think that they are arrogant. They just think they're awesome, right? They think they're awesome, isn't this true? Most people don't think that they walk in pride. Most people don't think that they're arrogant. They just think that they're really, really good at what they do. And, and they just maybe even kind of disguise it a little bit by saying, I'm just very confident, right? I'm very confident. <clears throat> How are we supposed to navigate this really complex issue of humility versus pride? Here's what I want you to do. Write a couple things down. The first thing I want you to write down is this. You've got to remember this. We all have to remember this. The first thing we need to remember is this. Everything that we have comes from God. If you get that out of perspective, your pride's going to rise up. If you think you really have something to do with that, you're wrong, and pride will rise up. Everything that we have comes from God. That is so important for us to remember, and if we remember this, it will produce humility in our lives. The second thing I want you to write down is this. Success hinges on how you use what you were given you see, sometimes we, we experience some margin of success in our lives and we like to kind of feel good about what we've do, done, forgetting that everything that we've done is because of something we've already been given. You following me? Whether it's talents and gifts and abilities, maybe it's resource, maybe it's an ability to influence, whatever that looks like, we, we have to know that those things have been given to us by God. God has given us everything. So maybe, maybe, you've done, maybe you're a student here today and you do really well academically and, and you need to be reminded of something. Don't let your pride rise up in that. Stay humble and just be grateful that the Lord has given you an academic ability, right? Awesome. Maybe you, maybe you do really well in an athletic field or court, and you need to be reminded. Someone gave you the ability to run and jump and to do the things that you can do. Or maybe it's just that you're, you have this ability to to do well at your job, whatever it is. You can close the deal and people just look to you like, man, that's, that's the closer. Just remember, who gave you your ability to, to win, win friends and influence people? Who gave you the ability to communicate, to be able to help others to feel confident, to say, yes, okay, I'll go with your company. I'll buy that product, whatever it is. <clears throat> or maybe it's that you've uh, gotten a promotion and you, you like to feel confident about that. Listen, God has given us everything that we have. A couple of weeks ago, I was spending some time with a dear friend of mine. Uh, His name is Rick. He's a pastor in Knoxville, Tennessee. He's been part of my life since I was in college. And we were talking, he's got a basketball um, program that he runs called the Tennessee Fury. And there's over 400 kids that are part of this. And it's basically a a showcase uh, kind of team that's put together to give these athletes a chance to, to compete in tournaments and, and showcase themselves in front of collegiate coaches, hoping that they would get, <clears throat> they would get recruited and uh, ultimately get some scholarship money for school. And we were just talking. I'm just so impressed by everything he's doing and these students that he's coaching. And, and Rick has a very unique perspective in that the reason that he does this, because he really doesn't have time to do it, is that he understands the influence and the power of spending that kind of time with these kids and mentoring them along the way. So he said to me, while we were talking about he said, do you know why I think God gave us the game of basketball? I was like, no, maybe you should. He said, to help people know the love of God. It's like, I wish I'd have known that 20 years ago, right? Like, of course he did. Of course he did. And some of you need to be reminded of this today when you're playing a sport or when you're coaching a sport that there's a reason. There's a reason for all of this. Don't let your pride rise up in a win. Use it as an opportunity to make the name of God great. Walk humbly with our God. Walk humbly with our God. What does this look like? Easier said than done. Now here's some simple definitions of the different facets of humility. Humility is this, a modest and accurate view of ourselves. A modest and accurate view of ourselves. Being a lifelong learner. Being authentic. Being authentic. Not not making yourself trying to believe that you're better than you really are, but being, being authentic. The ability to see life as it really is and act accordingly. Don't make it something that it's not. Living knowing that God is God And you are not. That's a big one. You're not God. He is. And if we can approach our day that way, we can start with a different kind of humility. Understanding that what I have and what I've done is because of him. And now here it is. Ultimately, listen to this. Ultimately, humility is this. Submitting myself to God's plan for my life submitting myself to God's plan for my life. I pray this prayer a lot. Lord, you are the steward of my life. You spend me where you want me to because I, I wake up in the morning with plenty to do with a whole bunch on my agenda and all kinds of crazy things to get done in one day. The to-do list is long just like yours and lots of appointments and everything else. But there, are the, there is just a different kind of mindset that says, look, I'm not gonna get so caught up in my stuff that I miss what you want me to do. I submit myself to your plan. The days that I do that best are the days where I feel like I've made the most difference for him. And I promise you, it'll be that way for you as well. So I recently was listening to a message on humility, and the pastor had put together a quick uh, seven-question quiz, a quick seven-question quiz to help evaluate whether or not we may have pride issues in our lives. Now, this was challenging for me when I heard him read these questions, so I want you to follow along with me. Do you frequently interrupt other people because you think your stuff is more important? Just put a little, go ahead right now, put a little yes or no. We're Just write it on your card. Do you frequently talk about yourself and just tell stories about yourself? Just put a little check there if you do that. Do you frequently, this was a big one. Do you frequently blame your spouse or a coworker for your problems? If Beth was here, she would be like, yeah. Do you get defensive if a critical comment is made about you or directed your way? Do you rely on your own strength and power or are you trusting in God's strength? This is a big one. When you pray, do you only pray for yourself and your concerns rather than praying for the needs of others? And then finally, does all of your money and time go only towards you versus using some of these things for the benefit of others? So here's how this works. If you said yes to some or most of these things, I would say that you likely have some pride issues in your life. If you answered no to all of these questions... You definitely have pride issues in your life, right? And if you answered no to most of these, and the whole time I was reviewing these questions, you were just thinking about how grateful you were that the person sitting next to you was here to hear these questions so that they could evaluate their life, Uh, you definitely don't have pride in your life, we need to talk after service because we're going to be starting a small group for you, right? Right? This humility thing is easier said than done, but I can only walk humbly with God's help. I can only walk humbly with God's help. Practically speaking, how do we walk humbly? Because this doesn't come naturally. I want you to write this down. This is huge. When you compare, you always lose. When you compare, you always lose. For example, if you see someone and you think to yourself, wow, look at them, man, they're in great shape. They look like they work out a lot. Oh, man, they got a lot of money. They have a sweet house. Look at their car. Look at their wife. Look at their husband. Their kids seem so well-behaved. They're just so blessed and so fortunate. They're just successful. They have this great job and lots of influence. If you start to just look at all of those things and compare yourself to that, then that will lead to a lack of gratitude for what God has given you. Listen, listen. When you compare, you always lose. Or if you see someone and you think, wow, they just, man, struggle-ville compared to me, right? Whoo, glad I'm not you, right? I seem to have things much better handled than they do. Thank God. Boy, they have bad luck, and clearly, clearly, they're never going to amount to much. Thank God I'm going to amount to much. You see, what happens when you do that is that you're going to have this sense of pride that rises up, and when you compare, you always lose. So we know that God's call is on our lives to keep our eyes on him, right? Keep our eyes on him. Don't be distracted by this comparative mindset. So let me show you how this works. Direct your attention to the screen. This is how this works. So let's just say you're walking towards Jesus. You're living for him and you see somebody. They, they start to kind of get into your path a little bit and you fall into this comparative mode and you start to think to yourself, man, they seem, they seem like they've got it all together. They've got it all. And if you're not careful, it's going to deflect you from the direction of heading towards Jesus and the cross because you're going to have a lack of gratitude and that's what's going to be your primary focus. So let's reset and look at the other example. Heading towards Jesus, somebody comes into your path, and you see them, and you start thinking to yourself, man, I'm feeling pretty good about myself. I'm rolling large compared to them, and it shifts you up to a place of pride. It's going to get you off course from staying on target with Jesus. This gets When you compare, you lose. That's what happens. When you compare, you lose. You need to write that down. Now circle it and put a star next to it and work really hard even this week to not compare. Micah says to walk humbly with our God. Paul says that everything we have comes from him. Don't rise up and think that you've got, don't compare yourself with others. Instead, we need to walk humbly. And this challenge to walk humbly is found all throughout scriptures. Old Testament, New Testament, it's everywhere. If you've read the scriptures at all, you know this is true. For example, Proverbs 16, 18. Pride goes before destruction and haughtiness before the fall. It's true. Proverbs eleven two 2, pride leads to disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. Psalm 25, 9, look at this. He leads, who does he lead? The humble. God leads the humble in doing right, teaching them his way. And now this is an interesting one, James 4, 6. And he gives grace generously. As the scriptures say, look carefully at this. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Opposes, I was thinking about this, opposes, how could I illustrate this? A couple of, many years ago, it was like 13, 14 years ago, it was Halloween. I had some crazy friends that I used to hang out with up in Fort Collins and we were all a lot younger then and much stupider than we are now, if that's even a word. And uh, we decided at Halloween time, a few of these guys had these full body costumes that they were going to wear, like head thing and the whole deal, full body. And we're like grown men, right? And we're going to go trick or treating. We're grown men, but we decided we were going to go trick-or-treating just to a few of our friends' house after it was well past the time that you should go trick-or-treating. And I've got one friend, a dear friend, one of my best friends in Fort Collins. His name is Vance, and he's got to get up really early to go to work. He's got to be working like 5 in the morning or something like that. And so we waited out in front of his house for the lights to go off and gave him ample time to get in bed. And he goes to bed a little early, and it was definitely time to be done trick-or-treating, Right? So I'm hiding behind a car, and two of my friends go up to the door, and they start to ring the doorbell, and not just once, because they really want Vance to get out of it. Ding dong, ding dong, and I'm laughing from behind the car, just thinking about what Vance is doing. Like he's like, "Are you kidding me? The light is off. Who's possibly still trick or treating at this time?" It's like the it's the forbidden rule, right? You don't ring the doorbell on a house that the light is off. Ding dong, ding dong, and finally Vance comes down. Now what I got to tell you is that Vance was a Division I football player, linebacker, All-Stater uh, from Loveland High School. The guy is jacked and huge. He's a little scary. Ding-dong, ding-dong. Vance opens the door. He's like, what do you want? She's like that, right? He's already mad. The guy's like, in a man voice, trick-or-treat. Like that. He's like, what are you doing? Don't you see the lights off? It's way too late to be trick-or-treating, right? He's like, Trick or treat. He's like, get away from here. This is not okay. I'm, we're done with the trick or treating. And then my buddy goes, you got any beer in there? And he takes a step through the door. Like, bad idea. This is where the opposes part rose up. All of a sudden, I see Vance make a fist. And I see him, like, shove his forearm into this guy's chest. He's like, far off. Just like the guy would, like, rise up off the ground. Of course, take the hat off quick. So he doesn't take this any further in his opposition, right? Listen, God opposes the proud. Think about that. He gets in the way of the proud. He wants us to be humble. Some don't think that pride is a big deal. We can even begin to take pride in our pride. And the best way to cover this up is when we say, I'm not proud. I'm just confident, there's a fine line there. The Bible tells us that God opposes the proud, and if you're prideful, please hear me, please hear me. This is for all of us today. It's a battle you can't win. God opposes the proud. You don't want to jack with the big guy. We've got to learn to have a humble heart. So if you're prideful, you've got to remember, God will oppose you, and that sounds like a really bad deal to me. And it's vitally important that we pause here for a minute and also talk about something else. And that's spiritual pride. If you've, been, if you've not been around church for very long, you can just check out for a second, except for to listen to make sure you don't do this. If you've been at church for a long time and you think you're something pretty special, look at me, stop. We're all still the same. My dad used to say, look, we all put our pants on the same way, which is true. We're all sinners saved by grace, heading a bad direction in desperate need of God. Don't think you're something better than anybody else. Perhaps you think you've been around a little while and you look at folks that maybe haven't been around at church in relationship with God, but you kind of rise up a little, hold your head a little higher thinking you got something figured out. Listen, man, thank God for that. Praise the Lord. You're maturing in your faith. You're growing. Let's bring as many people with us as we can. And, and, And listen, when you have spiritual pride, nobody wants to be around you. So stop it. Stop it. It's not okay. That's not the way that God wants us to live. So the fact is this, uh, is James tells us that he gives grace generously, and the scriptures tell us this, God opposes the proud, but look what happens, look what happens next, what does he do? He gives grace to the humble, he gives grace to the humble. Raise your hand if you like some grace. you like grace? I like grace. I'll take as much of that as he's going to hand out, so we better stay humble. Sounds like the real deal, this is what we, what we want, right? What we want, what we really, really want is grace we want grace we want grace so we got to walk humbly with our god we keep wondering somehow why god hates pride so much we got to remember the the top 10 commandments if you were paying attention when pastor craig just paused for a second and was sharing a little bit from his heart and he said this look we all worship something don't we we all worship something you remember we talked about it two weeks ago what is what are the first two of the 10 commandments remember no other gods before me and no idols and listen everyone look No idols also include yourself. Don't put yourself up there higher than God. That's not okay. He's a jealous God. He wants the focus to be on him and him alone. And we got to remember that God has given us everything. He's given us our lives, our breath, our talents, our abilities, our resources, our opportunities. All of that stuff comes from the Lord. And some of us, you, have had an opportunity to do some amazing things with your life. And when you look at it, you're like, gosh, that's been awesome. Hey, have you given God credit for any of that? Do you ever say that often? Like, man, thank God for his hand of favor on my life. It's a good thing. Don't take credit for stuff that really is, uh, uh, that really is God's, uh, that he did that for you. We can, how can we deal with our prideful tendencies? How can we walk humbly with our God? A couple observations about this particular passage of Scripture in Micah 6.8. It, it just strikes me as interesting that the first part when, it, when it's talking about humility is that we're to walk humbly walk humbly. It doesn't say that we're to sprint, to run, or to race humbly. That just caught me this week as I was reflecting on this again, to walk humbly, walk humbly, one step at a time. It's not a race. Our life is a marathon, and if you get clicking too fast, your pride will rise up. Walk humbly, steady progression, This is a daily grind. Don't get ahead of ourselves. Don't let your guard down one step at a time, one day at a time. And if you're like me, sometimes that's even one moment at a time, right? Like sometimes you gotta be reminded in the middle of your day. Man, let's stay humble, stay humble. It's God, God's at it, God's got it. God's there, it's all his. Humble ourselves before the Lord. Humble ourselves before the Lord. James 4.10 says that, humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up in honor. I can only walk humbly with God's help, with his help. Now we have to do our part, but we don't have to do it alone. We have God's power at work in us too. So Micah 6.8 tells us to walk humbly, but what do we do? Look at the second part of it, with what? With your God. So we don't do this alone, do we? We do this with him. And that's important. We, we can only walk humbly with God's help. In 1 Peter 5, 6, it says this, So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time, look, He will lift you up in honor. I can only walk humbly with God's help. This is so powerful, and we have to be reminded that this is the heart of our God. He wants us to always be deflecting attention back to Him, because He's jealous for that. He wants people to see His hand at work in your life. Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4 kind of set the tone for us so we understand how we can do this and how we can walk humbly. And look at verse 3. It says this Don't be selfish. Don't try and impress others. What are the next two words? Be humble. Thinking of others is better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take interest in others, too. This is the battle, and keeping this mindset makes all the difference in the world. Look out for others. When our kids were young, and uh, sometimes it would just be that we were going out for the day, and sometimes it would be that we were on vacation or whatever. I think I've showed, uh, told you this before. Some of you might want to write it down if you've got young kids. We would always, uh, we would do this often. We would pick a leader for the day. That was important. Uh, it was especially important for Zach and Megan, Right? so that they would get a chance to be the leader for the day, too. And it wasn't just for them to get a chance to be the leader for the day, but it was equally as much for the others to be able to learn how to be a follower for the day, stay humble and submit a little bit to the decision-making of their, of their sibling. Sometimes we need to be reminded that we need to be humble by thinking of others as better than ourselves. We're starting a new series next week. I just want to highlight real quick. It's called Six Things Every Kid Needs. Make sure you come with a sharp pen or pencil so that you're going to write down some things. It's going to be powerful. So let's get back to where we started. I need you to see this. This is huge. Let's jump back to Matthew chapter 3. Remember? I told you we'd get back. Jesus just comes up out of the water. And in Matthew chapter 3, verse 17, this voice from heaven, his heavenly Father, says this, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. And remember, we were asking ourselves, what was the merit for this kind of statement from the heavenly father his heavenly father what was it he hadn't done anything yet no miracles remember he hadn't taught a message yet he's not done anything extraordinary at this point at least nothing that we know recorded in scripture but his heavenly father says this is my son with whom i love with him i'm well pleased he hasn't he hasn't accomplished anything yet i wonder why it is that his heavenly father would have been so pleased with him Here's what I think. First of all, he's his son, right? But there's something very unique about what Jesus did. And it's a great example to you and to me. And we see this great example again in Philippians chapter 2, a couple of verses later. I want you to look at verse 5. It says this, You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God... that at the name of Jesus every knee would bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue would declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. There is something very unique about this reckless abandonment that Jesus had for his position in heaven. You see, he understood the heart of his heavenly Father, and he knew that in order for the redemptive plan of God to be put in place, he was going to have to humble himself, and he did. He humbled himself to the plan of our heavenly Father, And I said this a little bit earlier when I was talking about the importance of humility and understanding what humility is, that ultimately, humility is saying yes to God's plan for our lives. Instead of making it about you, make it about him. And that's an everyday thing for us, an everyday thing, to follow the example of Jesus, to say, you know what, I'm gonna do it like he did. And God, I say yes to your plan. Whatever that looks like, It didn't seem like Jesus had done anything, but he had already pre-decided to do the most important thing that any of us can do. And that's the the door to true humility, submitting to our Heavenly Father's plan for our lives. It's interesting, Pastor Matt Chandler, he's a a pastor, said this. When the Romans arrest Jesus, they grab him with hands that he not only created, but was at that time sustaining. In essence, the power they use to grab him comes from him. With muscles that he... Powers, they stretch their hands back and slap his face. They use the glands that he controls to work up the saliva to spit on him. They nail him with the metal that he created to a tree that he spoke into existence, and at any moment, he could have stopped it all, but he didn't. He didn't. Why? Why? Though he was God, he didn't think equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privilege. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. And this passage of scripture challenges you and challenges me this week that we would have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. For you and I, we need to be reminded today that the only way that we can walk humbly is with God's help. So I want to challenge you this week to do something as a point of action. I wonder what it would look like for you and me to make a commitment today that every day in this next week we would begin our day with a sincere prayer, a prayer of humility, praying through some of the things that we've talked about today. Maybe you'll even just keep your journey guide notes close to your bed. So before your feet even hit the floor, you would take a moment to just kind of calibrate before your day, And say, you know what, Lord? I realize that you are God and I am not. Will you remind me of that today? And and will you help me to keep this perspective all day? God, there are things that I'm concerned about in my life today, but I want to give those things to you. The things that I have anxiety over, I realize that you are ultimately in control and I totally surrender my plans to your plans today, today. You're the steward of my life. Accomplish your purposes with my life today. Help me to live prioritizing others as more important than myself. And God, I realize I need to give all of this to you and help me because I can't do this on my own. What would happen this week if every single one of us would choose to surrender like that, to lay it down before we even got out of bed, to make sure that we're doing what this prophet all those years ago challenged the nation of Israel to and that's to walk humbly walk humbly with our God. Will you bow your heads for just a moment? Lord I know that we live in a world that uh, doesn't really celebrate humility well. As a matter of fact oftentimes in our culture we see that as weakness Um, and Lord that's not right. It's not right. It's not what you say. It's not what you want us to do. Lord we know because scripture tells us that you oppose the proud. Oh, God, will you help us? Will you help us to keep in perspective the reality that everything we have you've given us and any success that we might have, Lord, it's yours, it's yours. Because we've just done with what you've given us. And Lord, we thank you for your hand of favor and blessing on our lives, and we want more of that. Lord, I want your grace. So will you help us? Lord, will you help me to stay humble before you? to do what this prophet said, Lord, that this is what you require of us. And so, God, will you, will you just remind us um, as we head into this week that we have in front of us that we, would, that we would begin every day with a sincere prayer of humility, submitting ourselves to you, giving you the things that, that we have a tendency to try and take over, uh, the things that we have the most anxiety about, Lord. Help us to give that to you. Help us to truly surrender, truly that you would steward our lives. And Lord, perhaps there would be someone here today who hasn't made a decision to accept you as their Lord and Savior, and they've been trying for a long time to figure out what this life is about, and they realize after our just time together today that life really isn't about just uh, looking out for ourselves, but it's it's really about submitting to you, and they've never done that with their life. If that's you and you're here today, I just want to ask you, everybody's head's bowed and eyes are closed, if you would just say, you know what, Doug? I'm going to do this. I'm going to submit to God, and I'm going to start today by asking Him to be the Lord of my life. I've never done that before. I know that I can't walk humbly without His help, so I'm going to get that started today. If that's you, everybody's head's bowed, eyes closed. Would you just raise your hand real quick? I'd like to see you. I'd like to pray a prayer with you, if that's you. Thank you. Anybody else? You can put your hand down. Anybody else? Thank you. Just pray this prayer with me. Lord, I know, and I realize that I... If I'm not careful, I can make this life about me rather than you. And uh, I know to make a change in this area, I I can't do this on my own. And so today, I realize that I've fallen short of your perfect standard. And uh, Lord, I I know I need your help. And so I ask you for forgiveness. Lord, I thank you that you died for me. And I ask you today to forgive me. And I thank you, Lord, that that, uh, what you did, Lord, it was personal, personal. And I accept it today as being personal. And I invite you to be the Lord of my life. And I thank you as well, Lord, that, you, that you, your power, that you're still alive, your power is at work in me. So will you help me to have the power I need to live in this way that you've called us to? That, Father, ultimately, as we continue to journey through the challenge of life, God, that you will help us to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk
0: humbly with our God. If you made a decision to follow Jesus for the first time today, congratulations. We are so excited for you and we'd love to equip you with some resources, some next steps and a complimentary gift. Just text the word FAITH to 40650 and if today you just need to talk to someone or would like to have someone pray with you, you can call our church office at 303-663-1714 and one of our pastors would be happy to spend some time with you. From everyone here at Plum Creek, have a great day.